there's always someone better than you. And in basketball, there are thousands of people better than me. And that's okay. But I think if you can be very, very good or elite at what at whatever it is you're doing, the, the world rewards that both financially, but also just in terms of working on interesting things. So the thing that keeps me motivated, honestly, is to work with clients that I think are really smart and where we're sort of making a difference. Welcome to Professional Profiles, a podcast where I interview industry experts to understand their jobs, learn about their journeys to success, and uncover the strategies they've used to find it. Today I'm talking with Cam Sahaley, a former professional basketball player that moved to a different kind of court. Now a successful deal lawyer specializing in transactions and renewable and sustainable energy, He works with a multitude of appreciative clients while helping the world transition away from hydrocarbons. Stick around to hear his ideas to finding a passion, the lessons he's learned through being a pro athlete, and the importance of a growth mindset. Here's the interview. So thank you very much for joining us today. Quite welcome. Thanks for having me. If you were to give a simplified elevator pitch about your job to someone, what would you say? I would say that I am a deal lawyer and I help clients put together all different types of infrastructure deals, which might involve buying, selling, financing, or structuring, everything around infrastructure. And by infrastructure, we sort of take that to be very broad to mean, you know, energy infrastructure, the infrastructure that you use every day that you drive on, flying places, taking trains, uh, using energy. So just the sort of day-to-day assets that you use and and that your parents use and your friends use and everybody uses in their their day-to-day lives. Awesome. So what do you like about it? Uh, I like that you can sort of see it and feel it and touch it and that you know, in many respects, uh, it's something that everybody needs, um, and and that you know it's relatable. It's you know sort of dealing with something that's uh, that is you know complex uh, in the sense that pe- people aren't dealing with it on a daily basis. Um, so I like that aspect of I like that it's complex and it changes. You know, it's constantly changing. You know, the last thing I did. Last transaction we just signed last week was a you know electric vehicle infrastructure charging deal to help Mercedes charge all of their you know develop all of their infrastructure for for charging their electric vehicles. So that's obviously something if you wound back ten years ago nobody was doing because that infrastructure wasn't necessary. So so it changes over time as as things develop. Uh, and also the other thing that is that I find interesting and attractive about now is. You know, we have this whole movement toward the energy transition and, and transitioning mm-hmm. away from hydrocarbons. And so what's, sure. what I think is interesting about that is you get to meld, you're sort of doing this work, and I think on the macro you're doing the right thing, right? We're trying to remove right. hydrocarbons from the environment to the extent that we can, but people still want to live their lives and, and do things. So there's got to be a there's got to be some way of doing that, right? What were you interested in during school or when you were younger? So I went to a school in Australia that was it's a sort of college prep 
you know, what we would call a grammar school. Uh, it was actually an Episcopal school as well, um, or what they call in England and Australia, uh, an Anglican school. Um, and so I was probably more on the, uh, on the humanity side. Uh, I, I enjoyed history and geography in English, enjoyed, um, maths and, and physics and chemistry a lot less and, and was not really good at them, frankly. So I tended to focus on, um, on, you know, those subjects that I just mentioned and, 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 you know, reading was obviously an interest of mine right. in playing sport. Right. So what level of schooling did you need to become a lawyer? Every country is a little bit different in Australia. It's, it's not too dissimilar to the U S you have to, yeah, in Australia, actually, you get into law school almost, uh, at least at the time, getting into law school almost immediately out of university, out of a high school rather, and so you needed to do well, very well in high school, and then I, I did two degrees, a degree in arts, just like you would, in you know, a bachelor of arts here, and then a bachelor of laws, which is the equivalent of the JD. Then, in addition to that, you have to do some additional um, some additional training uh, on the ground, and um, and otherwise, in order to qualify in, in Australia. And then, yeah, like I said, every, every jurisdiction is a little bit different, but it's mm-hmm. it's not it's not far off from the way it is in the US. Right. So you played professional basketball, also, right? So did you play in college? I, I played for my college, um, okay. but the, you know that was not the the highest level I was playing college basketball in Australia is not like it is here. Mm-hmm. We were actually, I was actually already playing for one of the clubs when I was probably oh, wow. 16 or 17 in their junior program and then went up and, you know, I played, I would sort of say, you know, professional, but really it was more sort of semi to professional, depended on, on where I played, the leagues were okay, but it was good. It was a good opportunity to travel and uh, I, I spent time in a lot of time in the U S a lot of time, in some time in the Middle East, some time in Europe playing and met lots of people and um, do a lot of interesting things. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So on the basketball court, communication and good leadership are keys to success with your teammates. What qualities would you define a successful leader of having? That's a good question. I mean, I, I find that there are a lot of parallels between you know, playing team sport and the sorts of work that I do it was the sort of work I do today so that, you know, similarities are, you know, I think in leadership you're trying to set the tone to be, you know, at times you need to be really, you know, positive and, and getting people going. At times I think you need to be firm, you know, either with your own team or with the people that you're negotiating with. Um, and at times you've got to tell people things that they don't want to hear, um, you know, that they're either they're, you think that their performance is not where it should be or that they're approaching things the wrong way. Um, and sometimes people tell you that too, right? I mean, that's just part of it. No, right. Nobody's perfect. So, so you know, being honest and, and sometimes you just, you know, the answer is working hard. Sometimes the right approach is to change the way that you're doing things because, you know, doing what you've done before doesn't work. So, so you learn a lot of lessons, I think, playing sport and uh, they, they certainly help you yeah, they've helped me, I would say, in the work that I do. Mm, for sure. So to achieve your levels of success in business, you must be very passionate about what you do. What would you tell people about finding a passion when they're younger? I'd say that you should keep an open mind, try different things, um, the extent that you can. You know, I, I, I kind of like the idea of just going and doing a, 
know, Bachelor of Arts or Bachelor of Science or Bachelor of, you know, a, a bachelor's degree that's broad where you can try different things and, and learn a little bit about lots of different areas, learn the world a little bit. I wouldn't be in a rush. You know, I also think it's right. good to go and spend some time overseas, spend some time traveling. So don't be in a rush to get to where you're going because you probably don't necessarily know where you're going and that's okay. Um, and I think some, yeah, some people do and they have a desire. So, you know, do lots of different things, take your time and also maybe try different jobs along the way. See if you can get yourself into an industry you're interested in. Let's say, for example, you had a burning desire to be in the sports industry, then try it out. Like see, if, you know, try if you can find, you know, the worst job that exists in sports where you just sort of, you know, take the job, see if it's actually what you want. You might find out when you do it and you get into that business that it's not what you want. You might find that you love it. Um, you know, and always getting into something means that you meet people and allows you to, to find out more and more, if that makes sense. Right. So really just trying to chase a bunch of different experiences, when, especially when you're younger, just to at least find an interest first before you develop it into a passion. Exactly. Find an interest, find, you know, learn a little bit about the world, learn about people and don't be in a hurry because, you know, once you, once you get into the world and you start working in your mid twenties or whenever it is, uh, you got a long time to work. So making sure you get it right is, and, and find an area to your point that you're interested in is more valuable than rushing into something. Right. Right. So what does your day to day routine look like right now? So I spend a lot of time on the phone. A lot of time touring people on the phone and a lot of time traveling. Um, some, I'm touring you know, people on the phone, either working on a deal or talking to people about possible deals or, or clients thinking about what they're, what they're, you know, where they're looking to invest capital, what's happening with the businesses that they have that, you, you know, I've usually got some knowledge of and uh, also what they're seeing in the market. So I spend a lot of time doing that. Um, and then uh, I spend a lot of time for better or worse these days, sort of managing people and teams because, I, you know, I, I co-lead our corporate group, which is sort of all our deal lawyers with another guy. And so we spend a lot of time talking to our partners, seeing what they're doing and our associates, what are they working on, what do they want to be working on, what opportunities are in the market. And then I travel to the East Coast quite a bit, East Coast and London, a little bit of uh, Asia Pack, going to see, usually to see clients, um, see what they're doing, sometimes working on deals um so so you know a normal week would be lots of calls some meetings and then it's probably a trip somewhere if not every week every second week i try to make them quick trips one night sometimes less but that's just the way it is right right so you just mentioned that you now manage teams what has managing teams taught you about dealing with people and managing people it's taught me that you have to try and find leaders within teams because you really can't do everything yourself. And so part of the, the trick, I think, is identifying those people that can help lead teams within teams and drive certain behaviors, growth in our business, you know, productivity, finding deals, doing a really good job. So that's been one of the things I've learned, even probably – in recent times, more than um, more than before, is, is is trying to find and develop leadership. That's one. You know, the other is um, I think you have to get to know people personally. So it's not good enough to just be 
working with people. And it was the same way in basketball too. Like, you know, the, the best, you know, the sometimes you'll have relationships with people who become very important, but you're not necessarily wouldn't otherwise in, in normal life have been friendly with them. If, so, you know, mm-hmm. maybe not someone if you're in high school with them that you would have been friends, but nonetheless, you got to work with them or they're on the basketball court with you. And so you got to find ways to relate to them. And usually you can do that by, I think, by understanding them a little bit, like where are they from? What's their family like? What's their life experience relative to yours? Because we're all pretty different. Right. Really developing empathy. Exactly. How can one stand out as in your field? And you just have to have a level of, sort of commercial competence like you know if clients want people who are going to help them solve problems what they don't want is people who are just identifying issues so you know a lot of people they can say well look here's the issue i'm explaining the issue it's got multiple different aspects to it but but you know that i think the people that do better in in this job and in many of the services professional services jobs are people who find the issues and then explore different ways of dealing with them. And then, you know, the corollary to that is not to pretend that you know all the answers. You know, yeah, the, the best, I, I had a story that somebody told me about a very successful, one of the sort of founding New York lawyers at one of the other firms many years ago. And he, he um, was telling me, he was telling me a story about this guy who's sort of a legend and he had said, what was interesting was when he dealt with him, he would come up with lots of ideas to, right. to deal with whatever the commercial issue was. And he'd come up with an idea. It wasn't a good idea. He'd come up with an idea. Somebody would shoot it down. Then he'd come up with another idea. And then eventually, um, you know, on his fifth or sixth or seventh idea, they would say, that's a really, yeah, that's what we should do. Let's go with Charlie's idea. And then everybody would remember Charlie's seventh idea and they would forget the sixth, you know, wrong or you know, not necessarily wrong, but unsuccessful ideas before that. And so I always found that to be an interesting thought that you, that, you know, sometimes people want to say, well, I have the answer. Well, hang on, what about this? And, yeah, I don't think that necessarily works. You always also have to be able to put your hand up and say, well, actually, what I, you know, that's, that's wrong. No, it's not going to work, is it, because of ABC or, or to jump on somebody else's thought or idea, even if they're on the other side of the deal and say, you know, um, channeling what Charlie just said, that's a really good idea. Actually, mm-hmm. I think maybe we can do it like that. Maybe there's one tweak to it or, you know, you're, you're not the only repository of good ideas. There are a lot of smart people out there. Right, right. What was the hardest decision you've had to make either in your basketball career or your professional career? In basketball, you know, I think I had some hard decisions around what teams to play for over the years. You know, I was coming out of my club team when I was about 19. I think I couldn't make the sort of top, top team because they were very strong and they'd been around for a long time. And there was another guy my age who uh, was just better than me. So I had to sort of pick another team. And I was thinking about going and playing in the U.S. Uh, at college or I was going to go and play for one of the other club teams and I'd choose between two of them. And one of them um, was offering me a bigger role. And um, in fact, I think even a little bit more money, bigger role, more money. They were much more rah-rah about it. And then I went mm-hmm. to see the other team. Well, the other team was a better team. And they had been actually the national runners-up the year before. And they had invited me. The other team invited me to watch practice. 
and uh, off-season practice. Well, this team invited me to join practice, and we got in the practice, and it was uh, it was a battle. And you could tell that these guys were very burned by having lost the year before. And they basically said to me, "This is what we can offer you." And the only reason we want you is because we think that you might be another piece that can help us get over the line. And so, you know, that was, to me, that was the more attractive. Um, so that was difficult and ended up being a good choice, but, you know, could have been, would have been easier to do the other one. And then, you know, professional life, I think you sort of, sometimes you see choices where, you know, hopefully you, you always think about doing the right thing. You know, sometimes we'll, you'll get choices in professional services where, you can use information that you shouldn't have or you can, um, you know, you can put somebody down or you can uh, try to make a full, I mean, so trying to avoid some of those things and, and just sticking mm-hmm. to your value system, which is, you know, treat people with respect and over time, you know, don't take advantage of, of things, of, of little situations where right. it's the wrong thing to do. Try and keep the, you know, take the long view. Right. So you... You chose the second club because you wanted to surround yourself with people that will help you grow. How important is that to for, for people to surround themselves with like-minded people? Yeah, I wouldn't maybe say it as like-minded, but I think you know, like-minded in the sense in, in that case was because they wanted to win. But I think mm-hmm. finding really good organizations and 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 challenging yourself to be in them is a great um, always a great thing. And then yeah, I think sometimes you're in one of those or in an organization and it's not working out maybe it's your maybe the fit is not right for you maybe it's time for you to do something else so mm-hmm. you know um and that that i think presents people a lot of challenges um when to move uh firms or clubs or businesses mm-hmm. or whatever um you know sometimes you see people moving very a lot but a lot of the people that i've seen that have been the most successful have really been with firms for a long time and and grown up and grown those firms versus just hopping around so um it's it is important to always assess where you are but or also to not necessarily think that the grass is always greener so how do you stay driven and only have kind of one thing you're working towards or one club you stay with or one firm you stay at and how do you stay motivated and driven to do that i think that's tricky you know i think it's mm-hmm. uh, over time it gets tricky and you know, and sometimes with the i feel like with the more success you have you know whether it's sort of in the job and financially and, and so on you, you do you can tend to sort of look around you know there's always learned this as well in basketball like there's always someone better than you there's always you know like and, and in basketball there were thousands of people better than me and that's okay so i think you sort of you know reach up and and try and get to if you can if you can be very very good or elite at what at whatever it is you're doing the the world rewards that both financially but also just in terms of um, working on interesting things so the thing that keeps me motivated honestly is to work on transactions and work with clients that i think are really smart and where we're sort of making a difference and so, you know, the way to do that in my job is to be at the top of your game. If you're at the top of your game, then the clients that are doing the most interesting things and with the most, you know, frankly, with the most money and the most desire to, to uh, invest it a certain way, they'll come to you. If you sort of fall off your game, then then they won't. So, you know, mm-hmm. at some point that'll happen. It'll happen to me, it happens to everybody, and then you'll, um, 
yeah, maybe that's the time which you go and do try something else. Right. So as a parent, what do you teach your children about finding what they want to do in the future? It's a good question. We constantly uh, try and talk to the boys. I mean, I try and just have constant conversations about what's happening or what we see. And, you know, the pro- you know, it's hard, I think, to just talk about what you see in the newspaper or you see on television. So I, I try and at least make it personal to, you know, just think about we went to, for example, a fast food place, talk a little bit sometimes. Um, Gabe and I have been talking about who, what's the difference between the person that owns that business? Who owns that business? What might that look like? Is it a franchisor? Is it a franchisee? What is a franchisor? What's a franchisee? Who, who would own the real estate? Who would own the real estate? Probably different to those two people. Sometimes it may be one of them. What happens if it's somebody different? What does the rent look like? How do people calculate rent? What's a yield? So sometimes we'll just talk about stuff like that. Uh, or, yeah, I try to just, feed that information a little bit and get people, get them thinking about it uh, as opposed to saying, you know, you should do this, that or the other. I mean, they're going to do whatever they decide over time that they want to do. Was it a conscious effort to pursue renewable and sustainable energy or was that more of a an experience that you had that was kind of spur of the moment that prompted you to choose that as a career path? I was a little bit lucky, like you, know, you probably hear this in a lot of interviews. So, you know, when I moved to the U.S. from overseas uh, with my firm, uh, I started working with a partner who was a very smart guy who had done that some of that work for Goldman Sachs over time, and then I did a deal for them. They had a young guy who was running the deal who um, still runs, you know, who now has sort of become the head of that whole team worked on some deals with him. He and I became friends. He just started sending me the work directly. And then it just sort of mushroomed from there. And then then there was a point pretty early in that when I was doing those deals where it, it you know it struck me that this was really going to be the future of energy. Um, and not on a straight line basis. Like energy is a very complex it's a complex world and we need you need a lot of baseload still in addition to you know solar, wind, other forms of renewable, sustainable energy. But you could see that it was massively growing. It also occurred to me that it was the right thing to do, back to what we talked about. So I, I thought felt it to be the right thing to do. Happened to be a little bit lucky to be in it with you know one of the, the premier clients and then have been able to take that and keep going. So, yeah, a lot of it's luck, uh, as in anything, right place, right time. Somebody, you know, that partner could have made the – could have got somebody else to work on that. He, you know, that client might not have liked me. Yeah, you know, so lots of things go into it. But skill also, correct? Yeah, so like, I mean, there's some measure of it because you, you, people tend not to come back to you in the services world if they don't. Yeah, usually it's you do a good job and all the stuff we talked about, but also they like you. You know, people want to work with people they like. So, you know, right. I think you have to be at some level – yeah, you have to be friends with people too. I mean, you have to be best friends with them, but I think most of the clients you work with closely over time, over the many years, you have some level of friendship or relationship. You got to be really good. Like I said, you got to be good. You got to be able to deal with people in an honest way, not just the, your clients, but everybody around transactions and situations and cases. And then also, I think, like I said, you know, the key decision makers of these clients, they want to work with people that they 
have some personal affinity or respect for. You don't have to be best friends, but, you know, people want to work with people. You spend a lot of time with them on the phone and in person, whatever. They'd rather deal with someone that they like than someone they dislike. Right. What is the best piece of advice that you've gotten to help achieve the success you have? I was probably a young lawyer. I was in London. I lived in London for a while and I went to a meeting. There was actually a young partner who was running this meeting and there were lots of people in this meeting. They were building a new tube line in London, like the first line in many decades, Mm -hmm. like a whole line. And they were financing it with a massive transaction. There were all these people. I just remember this guy who's a young partner and he was running the deal, I think, for one of the, you know, one of the tube line organizations. But anyway, he, um, I just remember he was running it and there were lots of issues. He was doing lots of things. And, and he was just, if, if he said something wrong or he got something wrong, he, he would say, no, no, no. No, you're absolutely right. I misspoke. That was, that's my fault. Actually, we should be we should it's here this is the issue and so just you know people respect that more because then the next time he says something or he says well what about you know they say well he's able to listen to lots of different points of view and that's kind of thing that frustrates frustrates me about you know observing politics is you you tend to not see much of that everybody sort of bunkered down in their little corner and 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 that system for whatever reason seems to reward the opposite behavior uh, in business. I don't, and in professional services, I would say, does not reward that. If you sort of come into things and you're very hard-nosed always and it's your way or and that tends not to be successful because the world is a complex place. Your answer is not the right answer. There are lots of solutions out there. What did playing college basketball like teach you about building discipline? Um, I mean, playing basketball or any sport, I think at any pretty relatively high level, you sort of learn as you get, I think, especially as you sort of get out of your 18, 19 and sort of get a little bit older, um, that you, you really just can't afford to um, do certain things. So you can't afford to be out late at night too much, can't afford to be consuming too much alcohol, you can't afford to be eating the wrong thing. So I, it teaches you that sort of discipline just because the demands on your time and your body are pretty high. So I think you learn pretty quickly over time that um, that you really have to focus your body and your mind in on whatever it is that you get that sport that you're playing. So it teaches you that, um, that sort of discipline. And then I think, you know, basketball is a little different from other sports. Um, it's a small team. And so... You can't afford to, or, or maybe said another way, it's difficult to exist on a successful small team if you don't have some level of relationship with everybody. It's just mm-hmm. pretty, you know, the teams I've been on that have done well, people liked each other generally and they've worked with each other, but maybe they wouldn't have otherwise been good friends. Teams that have struggled, mm-hmm. I've seen some teams struggle that I've been involved with where there really are some personality um, mismatches and people aren't making the effort to get over them, you know, and, and there are squabbles and somebody doesn't like somebody. Um, so there's sort of two different types of discipline. One of is a physical discipline and the other is a sort of a mental discipline. Those are all the questions I have. 
So thank you very much for joining us, and I really appreciate your time. Of course. Thank you, Charlie, and I hope to uh, see you soon. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to stay updated for future episodes. My name is Charlie Hubbard, and this has been Professional Profiles.